This is Women and Justice, and my name is Dr. Shante James. Today, we look at the inner workings of ourselves as we unravel the remarkable work of our guests. This episode is nothing less than fascinating as we engage in the possibilities of women in the world of science. Let me now turn over the podium to our guest as she officially introduces her work. Um, my name is Denise Okafor. Um, I am a uh, fourth year, I guess it's my fourth year, uh, assistant professor of biochemistry and molecular biology at Penn State. Um, I, uh, I run a research lab and we work on proteins and like structure and their function. And uh, I also teach at Penn State. And yeah, that is, and you know, I have a family, but that's my, that's outside of my work identity. <laughs> sure. Okay. So she's totally downplaying herself, everyone. She has tons of accolades to go with her degree, um, but she kind of downplayed it, but I'm going to push her just a little bit. So tell us a little more about your degree and, and why you um, chose this route versus another route. I had always wanted to, um, well, I guess initially I wanted to, it's funny, I say I wanted to be a doctor, but that was never a thing that I put in my own head. That was a thing that my parents put in my head. And so I, I think I'd always, from whenever I first decided about career, which is again, my parents inspired, it was like kind of this medicine science route. And so whenever I reached the age to discover that I didn't want to be a doctor, it was because I had found something else to replace it, which was I had I'd experienced research for the first time. I always knew I liked chemistry and I, I enjoyed bio, bio um, kind of biological questions or applications of chemistry. And so I, when I knew that I didn't want to become a doctor, like go to med school and do all that stuff, I knew that what I wanted to do instead was just kind of learn more biochemistry, which is why I went to grad school to um, to pursue that as a career. Okay, so when you're defining biomedical, what does that include? Um, let's start off with a definition. Yeah, so um, it would be... Um, it would be this idea of thinking about biological systems, right? So if you're okay, so if you think if you're if you're talking about biomedical specifically, um, biological systems, and and usually that's humans, right? Because medicine has this connotation of humans, and um, understanding how how these biological systems work and how they can be. Um, um, what is their normal state? What's their normal physiological state, right? What is what is a disease situation? What is abnormal? How do we restore kind of balance or homeostasis? Um, what is, uh, yeah, what are interventions that would, um, that would kind of restore function that has, you know, that has gone wrong? And just understanding the normal working and knowing when that normal working has been disrupted. It's, so in understanding, because I know you run a lab, so in understanding the um, abnormal and, and shifting to the what is normal, what have you found thus far? Um, we, so, uh, there's so many things. <laughs> I know, because I opened that Pandora box, but yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to give you space to, because again, audience, she is downplaying her work. Uh, so I'm trying to push her to, to let us know kind of what she's working on presently and what she's worked on in the past. Yeah, there. I mean, there's such a, a broad range of things, right, that could be 
wrong at any given time. So I can I can tell you specifically what we think about. Um, we are we are coming at the uh, kind of approaching approaching uh, science questions from the aspect of uh, gene regulation, gene expression, which is basically how are our genes functioning? Are they doing what they should be doing? Are they are is something? Are they doing something that's not normal? Are they not doing something that they should be doing? Those kinds of questions, and we want to understand how are how does gene expression, how does gene regulation happen? And um, our ultimate goal is really to characterize some uh, proteins that function or that, that regulate gene expression because we want to understand how these functions do their job and how we can control these proteins so that they can, um, we can basically turn them on or off to do something else, or you know, we can stop them from doing something that is problematic. Or if they're not doing something that they need to be doing, we can turn them on to do that thing. So we want to just understand very, um, on a very basic level, how these proteins, these we call them transcription factors, how these transcription factors work and control the expression of genes. So, and again, everyone, let me just uh, full disclosure on my end. This is not my wheelhouse. So uh, let me ask a, a few more questions in this area. So what are we, or what are is your genes turning on or off improperly? I guess that would be the best way to phrase it. Uh, this is a great question. So the, um, uh, let's see, what's a good example? So the one, there's one protein that we work with, um, the farnesoid X receptor. And what this protein controls is the ability of our cells to metabolize cholesterol. So what that means is that if cholesterol levels, and we get cholesterol from diet, right? If cholesterol levels get high, this this uh, this protein working normally would signal, send a signal to your, to um, the machinery, like the, the you know, like the, the gene expression kind of transcription machinery, right? It's a bunch of proteins and DNA all talking to each other. And it sends that signal and says, okay, there's a lot of cholesterol. Now these, this needs to be excreted, right? And so it's and there, there's different ways that the cells will do that. They will convert it to something else, a different kind of molecule. Um, uh, I don't know if, if bile is familiar to you. They'll convert this to bile and bile can get excreted. They can, they can uh, push it out of the cells and send it somewhere else to other cells in the body, right? All of these things are messages that are communicated when the levels of cholesterol are high. If there is something wrong with that communication mechanism, for example, their cholesterol levels are high, but that signal does not get communicated because this protein isn't working well, then it doesn't turn on those genes that are telling it to excrete this extra cholesterol. And then there can be all kinds of issues, right? There can be buildup of things that shouldn't be building up, or there, there can just be kind of... Um, just the lack of the balance, right? Everything has to be working well for um, for homeostasis to to be achieved. And so we think about on a molecular level, which is what one molecule of cholesterol. What does it talk to, and how does that other thing talk to? And then how does how do these things all talking to each other um, allow ourselves to do the job that they're supposed to do? Okay, so I guess when I was listening to you, I, I, the first thought that came to my mind was, does my, um, I guess, knowledge base of what to eat, right, or my knowledge base that's kind of um, passed down from family, family impact us, does my 
uh, gender impact this? Does my race, I guess, uh, how does how does all that kind of play into this this conversation? So I, I have two answers to that question. Okay. The first answer is absolutely they do impact all these things. I think that we're learning just so much more, even with like, um, uh, I, I don't know if you've heard about the microbiome. It's kind of a very popular buzzy science word in the past. I don't know, past decade maybe, but. Um, Let's define it, it for everybody so we all know. <laughs> so I, I, in I the most generic, simplistic form, let's. <laughs> I know that, 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 that's, that's really all I know. That's hard not, for you. Yeah, I know it's hard for you. <laughs> well, no, this is not even my field. Okay. So, but simplest way is the microbiome is the community of bacteria or microorganisms that we coexist with. That any that any um kind of like any uh let's say my microbiome would be the community of um, microorganisms that that I, that live inside my my body basically and everyone has a different uh uh what's the word um combination i can't think of word the word i'm thinking of but a different set of microorganisms that live in them right and and those 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 um those bacteria also help to determine your makeup and determine how you will respond to when you eat something, right? Or how you or I will respond when I consume food or even medicine or or whatever it is, right? Because those bacteria are playing a role in breaking those things down and modifying them and digesting them and doing all these things to them. So there is absolutely there are effects on um, based on just like, again, said gender or race and all these other um, aspects of our identity. Um, my second answer to that is I, I do not, um, I am very far from being an expert in understanding the nuances of how that works. Um, I, I kind of, um, the work that I do just kind of zooms in on how do these proteins interact with these other things and how do those things function and less so how might this be affected by a broader context of you know, some other aspect of identity of a person. Okay. So it sounds like you're more focused on uh, that, that working and that, that combination of the working. Okay. So let me step you back um, with your experience. Um, you gave us a little bit about how you got into the field. So paint the world for me in relationship to where do women fit in your field? How many women are in the field? Um, and then, where do you see your field going in the future when we're looking at women in justice? Yeah. Um, historically, women have been highly underrepresented in science, um, science in general. I guess, I guess when you think about my field, my, if, I, if I had to name my field, I would say biochemistry primarily, and then like chemistry, kind of a secondary field, um, which even those words, even though those words are similar, they're quite different. So they're, they're the biochemistry ratios, and, and don't quote me, I'm not giving you exact numbers, but I do know that the biochemistry numbers, the women in that field are closer to, I would say in the 30s percentage, right? They're not, it's not an even distribution, but it's a lot closer to being equal than if, than if you went to chemistry, right? You would still be talking about, I think, the lower 20s, if not even the teens, um, as far as percentage of women. So there are um, uh, just historically, and, and I think that there is a correlation when um, when there are biological um, sciences, there tend to be more women. I don't, for whatever reason, I don't know what the historical context is of this, but for whatever reason, biological sciences tend to be more um, uh 
more closer to achieving balance than the more kind of physical sciences like your chemistry and your physics and your you know whatever else is a uh, math i guess you know the, the more physical things um uh i'm trying to remember what your question is oh um, and then as you are um because you have the highest degree in your area as you were progressing through your program um Tell us a little bit about the mentors and stuff that you had um, and where you feel like your voice was present or not present. And where is that um, level of equality for women within that this this branch of academia, I would say? Yes. So one one thing that's a very, I think, very important anecdote. As far as just my story and the way I came into the field was all of my decision to go to grad school, I would say was inspired by a female professor that I had in undergrad who was who basically told me, oh, this would be really cool. You should you should consider doing a Ph.D. because you would could one day be my colleague. And um, and that was just a very I mean, I, I can go on talk forever for about how much of an impact that statement was, even though I don't know when she said it, if she said it as something that would be very she I think she just kind of said it like, oh, you seem like you could do this. You should consider doing it. And then you could be a professor like me. And I was like, well, could I? Is that is, is that really true? Um, but I, I think that it just speaks to um, the importance of women seeing other women in that in those kinds of positions i wonder if a man i don't i don't know what would happen if a man had said the same thing to me right like i i might i I don't know that it would have had the same impact no one ever no man ever said that to me but i don't know if it would have had the same impact or something about hearing it from another woman and so i think that it's just as far as the place of women in the field we just give each other a picture of what this can be or what this can look like and 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 uh, and i think even just inspiration that we can succeed just seeing another woman do something hard tells me oh my goodness that means maybe i could do it too right it's it's not it's not that um it's not that uh, well you know it depends on what the what the the issue is or what you were why i didn't think i could do it in the first place but for me it's always been it's always been inspirational for me to see other women um in in um in positions that i aspire to because that that immediately gives me um uh just like the confidence or just kind of an additional data point that i can do it too so just as far as mentors i would say this the mentors that told me you know that that encouraged me to apply to grad school and in you know and, and um gave me confidence that i could be successful but then also um even in grad school and i don't know if you want me to kind of jump in towards um grad school like, no you can i think it's important um for because sometimes you know uh especially on my in a student on me and you'll say hey go to grad school and then they're like okay am i gonna be in school forever you know <laughs> right, right. yes um even in yeah even in grad school i would say and and i definitely went into grad school not having any idea what was happening i just didn't i'm not sure how i ended up or how i went in and came out successfully but um i think students now people now are much more prepared which is better which is good um i um there are a lot of challenges in my um in my graduate career a lot some of it was um under preparation on my part like me coming into into grad school the other parts were more kind of just the the project that I was working on and um, 
maybe was not the best kind of match for me. And then and then there were problems that were systemic, right? Um, I, I do know that in my department, for example, um, where I went to grad school, um, there was a it was, there was a historical thing where all the black women in the department would just leave with a master's degree, like just none of them were finishing. So there, that's definitely a, an institutional issue that you know. So there's all these factors, I think, and um, and I think that me finishing grad school was really I attributed a lot a lot of it to uh, mentors in grad school, women and and men in this case, who. Um, for whatever reason, right, um, decided that they were going to help me finish, like they were going to help me get through, right? And they and sure they made like, the investment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were going to invest, right? And 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 for whatever reason, I don't know, but it I where I could have easily failed out of the program. Um, they were the ones who were like, "Oh, you should, you know, don't." don't, don't go like you, you stay and let's, let's try this again. And those people, I think with their encouragement and with their support, I was able to uh, uh, finish grad school and, and, you know, start my, my, you know, keep going. And now I'm in, in my independent career and it's going well. And so I, I guess I say that to say that, uh, that for me, the mentors were everything as far as just, um, being able to get through grad school and um, being able to succeed. And I don't think that grad school is that, I don't think it's always that hard. Like some people I think just kind of go through grad school. The hardest thing is that your project, your experiments don't work. And then, you know, you kind of, you know, you come back in the next, you, you keep, you know, you keep troubleshooting and then you work at some point. This is for science, people in science. But I think that some people just kind of go through grad school and just have a very challenging time like I did. And um, for those people, right, they really need um, support. Like the last thing they need is someone telling them that this is not for you, try something else. What they need is someone who will, um, what, what they need is someone who will say, okay, I'm going to invest the time, I'm going to invest the effort in you. And I think that, you know, I think that you can do this and I'm going to, well, let's try, like, let's, let's, let's kind of, let's regroup and let's figure out what went wrong. And if we can't fix it, then we can't, but at least we should try. And I think a lot of women fall through the cracks sometimes if this is not, you know, if they're not um, invested in, in this way. And so, yeah, that would, I think that would, I don't know if that was a very long way to answer. No, no, I, that was great. Okay. So you gave us the investment and the mentors. Is there anything else that you think, especially when we're looking at women in your field that, we may not, you know, you're like, I want you to hear this aspect also. Okay. What else is an aspect you're like, don't forget this? Well, something that's really important to me is just, um, gosh, how do I say this in a way? So I've, I've recently seen, like, I know that a lot of, a lot of departments or institutions will have this kind of DEI component. It's like there's a person or a, a committee or something. I've recently seen this shift from DEI to DEIB. And it's something that I can't even, I can't tell you how strongly I concur that just belonging is such a huge thing. Like feeling like you are, that you're supposed to be somewhere and that you are, that you're not the that you're not just the the kind of the the one standout person, or or even if you are for some reason happen to be the only woman or the only only this or whatever group insert group, um, the ability of this of of that of that organization to cultivate a 
uh, a feeling of belonging in the people is so important. And I think that that's one thing that women may not always have, right, is, is, is belonging. And so I'm, I'm very passionate about people feeling like they have a community or feeling like they, um, and just, just, just surrounding people with, with, um, other people so that they realize that you're not alone. Um, every, like this thing that seems so easy for other people, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not that easy because these are other people and you, you can now meet these people and find that they're all struggling with it too. And in that way, hopefully that helps you feel like, okay, we're in this together. Um, I belong, even though I'm struggling with this, I also belong because that person's struggling with it also. And they, they are part of the group too. And that will, um, I don't know, in my opinion, that, that just kind of is a world of difference, makes a world of difference. I'm going to press you on that one because we are getting um, close to time, but I I, I do want to open that door just a little bit, especially in your field and um, creating an environment. Do you think it's conversations that we need to have? Do you think that it should be, which I hope we're moving away from, a (laughs) mandate that needs to be in place to um, incorporate this sense of belonging? Or is it just sometimes, especially when you're teaching, and I, I know you probably experience this, sometimes we don't really give people an environment to talk. Yes. Like you can't really get to know someone or to expose yourself to another world if we don't really kind of get people in a room to just talk. Like mm-hmm. even if someone's from a little small town, well, they're getting a different experience because they're from, you know. Um, so where do you stand with this belonging and community, um, especially in your world, and I don't want to misquote, it seems like your research is looking at how something doesn't work and then trying to fix it so it does. That's good. Um, I, I so so I guess what I what I maybe I can speak from my own experience. I I've done as I as I look through my years as in in science as a trainee and then now as a as an independent scientist. Um, I see a lot of work that I have put in to create a sense of belonging for myself because it wasn't there infrastructurally and I wanted to and I sensed that if I need it someone else needs it too and I wanted to make that opportunity available so so things like in as a postdoc um, as a postdoc at Emory University in Atlanta Georgia um, I remember thinking are there any other black postdocs in our or even minority right people that identify as minorities in our in in this college and they're like oh yeah there used to be a postdoc committee um and a minority was it minority postdoc committee or something uh years ago it hasn't been active in several years i was like oh let's revive it right because if i want this committed committee community certainly other people do as well and so we revived it right and so and that and i and i've done that just going like I, I did that in grad school. I did that. I've done that here um, at, at Penn State. I've um, uh, there's now a, a community of something like 50 um, female professors who have been hired about, right around COVID and since COVID because we weren't we just didn't know anyone. We came to a new. I started my lab in 2020 and COVID hit in March, and I moved to a new town with my young family and didn't know anyone here. And then suddenly I was shut at home, right, taking care of my kids. Well, one kid at the time was pregnant with the other, but then um, 
I, and, and, and I, and I, you know, it, it occurred to me that this, there might be other people in this exact same position who also don't know people in this town and don't know, and are just like trapped at home and, and have sure. no idea. Right. Or and just so the we, basics. I'm always saying to people the basics of, okay, I need to get bread, but I also need to get hair care products too, you know? Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. And so we and so we started that kind of informal community as well. And and that it just has continued to grow over the years. Everyone, every time someone new lands at Penn State and um people will add them to the group and et cetera. And so I've I found a lot of that again, that a lot of that has been initiated. But then I've also I've also seen a lot of really nice kind of top-down um 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 things that that try to address the same issue. I know that there are many departments, uh, academic departments, and I don't know if you know what cohort hiring is, but many academic departments are understanding that if you're going to make a professor or someone, especially someone with a, a minoritized identity, feel welcome in, in a department, that it is it is actually um, wise to hire a few of these people and have them come in as a cohort so that that way they can support each other and they can they can already just kind of come in with built-in community. And, that, and, and I actually don't really know the statistics on on um like the statistics of retention and and all these things but i do know that those programs are getting more and more popular which tells me that they must be working this idea of people coming in with built-in communities so there's also a lot of top-down and i know i don't know that penn state my university i don't know if they have any um particular initiatives in that in that direction but i've also even just being here i've also kind of been invited to um things organized at higher at the levels of like senior faculty mentors trying to again congregate junior faculty and trying to again provide a sense of belonging like you can't you do belong here and and what do you need how can we support you how can we um you know how can we make you feel like you're welcome here and that you are this is where you belong and so I, I think you know moving forward everyone does not have the energy or the um or the time <laughs> sure. or the inclination to try and do this on their own so it would be nice for institutions to um i think to take the charge in in really thinking about belonging which i think penn state is doing um you know to some to some extent with with a good but but for, on an institutional level it would be nice for them to think about this concept and i think that it would really support women for sure yeah Okay, we are at our time. So uh, before we go, I always like to give the speaker a space to say, if you heard nothing else, don't forget. What do you want us to not forget? Um, I, I, I think that uh, women, it's very important that we don't um, uh, downplay the influence that we have um, just on just by being present or being visible like i like i said just seeing women in positions or seeing women get certain things is always inspirational for me because that just tells me that i can do it too um and so and uh just not forgetting that influence we have just by just by being or just by um our presence or our um our you know our, our voice or whatever other contribution it is that we make and um you know, um, remembering to whatever we can, however we can, within as as long as it's within our um, ability to lift other people up or encourage other people or to make other people feel like they belong, that's always a, a nice thing to do. I'm certainly committed to paying things forward because I know how much mentoring helped me, and so I'm committed to mentoring, paying that forward 
I think it's a good way to to live in general. Someone poured into you, so you want to make sure you pour into them. Yeah. All right. Thank you so very much for your time. I appreciate it. Let me be honest. This episode took me out of my comfort zone, but I'm glad that I stepped into a different space. I encourage you during this season to step into some different spaces. The knowledge you gain will be priceless. Remember to find me on various platforms. I look forward to seeing you and talking. As always, have a blessed and fruitful day.